Hi everyone, this is Read Watch Play. I'm Cleo. I'm James. I'm Corinne. And I'm Justin. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about Beyond Two Souls, developed by Quantic Dream. So how do we feel about this game, kind of, overall? I, I, like, honestly, I don't know. Like, I'm really pretty 50-50. I, I, I know. I, I didn't like it. I really didn't like it. <laughs> Had you played it already? No. Okay. I, I really didn't like this game at all. Um... I I would say that I kind of enjoy it, I guess. Like, I, I remember, like, being, like, okay with it the first time I played, but I think uh, playing it a second time was... I, I had I had reached my limit with the game. I, I do really think of this game as a game that should not be played more than once for a number of reasons. How about you, Cleo? I went in with pretty low expectations, honestly, so I was pleasantly surprised, but like I was, I don't know whether it was just because of the trailer for the game didn't really do it for me, or I had heard something, but for some reason I was kind of like not expecting to enjoy it pretty much at all. Uh, so it was, could really, there was really only one option. It was that either my expectations were met or I'd be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember reviewing super well so i i don't think i went in with super high expectations either but i even so though i think i feel like i still felt kind of left let down <laughs> so i i guess i don't know i feel like i i know why i didn't like the game what what were people seeing in it i mean clearly you said that you were kind of pleasantly surprised were there parts that you liked justin you said you were kind of 50 50 right and corinne do you remember what you liked the first time because this was my first time and i still didn't like it um honestly it could have just been that it was it was nice to be able to sit with somebody at on one couch with one console and two controllers and play a game together. Cause I played it with my friend Clayton the first time around. And this time I played with Justin and there aren't too many games that give you like a, a, a one screen, two player experience. Like this is a very unique narrative multiplayer experience. That's true. Yeah. So, I mean, it it could just be that what I liked about it was that it gave me a few days of playing a game with a friend of mine in a way that we don't normally get to play games. Mm. And that's it. <laughs> um, I, I would say that the, the story itself is like, well, all right, there's parts of the story I don't like, but the, the overall like takeaway from the game is, I guess, non-objectionable enough to have not taken away from the fact that I got to sit down and play a narrative game with a friend of mine in a way that I don't normally get to with narrative focused games that come out these days. Cause they're like, they're all single player. Every single like narrative game that comes out these days is single player, at least the bit, the big ones. Mm. Um, and I very specifically, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but I very specifically find it very hard to play single player games. Um, I, I just get bored. I get bored and I have a lot of games that I play with friends. And if I'm playing video games, I'd prefer to be playing with friends. So, you know, it takes it takes a lot for me to get through single player narrative focused games. Not that I haven't gotten through a couple in the past, but they're few and far between. And it's just not something that I get to do very often. Even when we play them for the podcast, like we play them where yeah. it's we're still sitting down and making it a, a mildly social experience and we're just like you know passing the controller back and forth when someone dies or when we decide we want to switch off or whatever yeah so 
it could have just been, I could have just liked it because I got to play a narrative game and not like have to do it alone Mm. and got to play a game with a friend of mine, which I always like doing. That's cool. So there's that. If you're looking for something to play with, with another person, um, it's a, it's a pretty decent, you know, it's a pretty decent, pretty short, like game to get through. And you, you know, you'll, you'll probably have a reasonably good time if you're just looking for something to do with somebody. Then again, there are other better things to do with somebody. So I was going to say, yeah, at that point <laughs> I would say go and get like, I mean, Diablo's great. Overcooked is great. I mean, all the Lego games. The Lego games are fun. That's my bigger thing is I, well, cause you, you, you have would... to, have, you have to have gotten through a pretty extensive list, at least for me to, for me to start recommending this one, unless you were specifically looking for a strictly narrative experience. It's like it's like sort of where we settled with with Altered Carbon, right? It's like, but even even lower. Like there was the idea that like yeah, Altered Carbon has its merits, and this less so. And so there is a giant list of things that I would recommend over this first kind of idea, right? Yeah, potentially. Uh, but not strictly to everyone, I guess. And again, this is probably I, I would agree with with what you were saying, Corinne, in that this is certainly the most narrative centric one. Like all those other things I I mentioned, right? Those are those are video gamey ass video games. Yeah, yeah. yeah I got I I personally have to be in a very specific mood to want to play a Lego game. Not yeah. that they're not fun, but like it's not something that I'm super interested in all the time. Oh yeah, like I I'm very much the kind of person who enjoys mechanically challenging games or and those are not that (laughs) yeah yeah um and then if i if you know i i don't really like story and like sort of watered down mechanics i guess i i really like if i want to play a narrative focused game i want narrative yeah and hopefully the mechanics are also challenging and fun yeah yeah i can see that now i'm just thinking of like other good co-op games (laughs) Yeah, like there's plenty of good co-op games. Yeah, just kind of enjoy, like Helldivers. Helldivers is great. So yeah, fun. but there aren't but, many. There aren't many. Yeah, co-op games with that are about a story. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So how about you, Justin? What were your? You said you were fifty-fifty. What was? What was? What was the good fifty? There were. I honestly, I feel like I came out of it this time liking it more than I did the last time, and I think a lot of it are the same reasons as Corinne because when I played it the first time, when it released on PS3. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I played it solo. I didn't, I was like, it was when I was in college, I was living with roommates that I was not actually really friends with. And so the active like planning of like playing a game like beyond with someone that I actually wanted to play it with would have been very involved and more than I felt like dealing with at the time. So I just played it solo. Um, I kind of want to play it again and play it in chronological order to see just how not great the story is yeah i felt like the the in-game story order was a was a big problem for me and i don't know if it would have been it i think chronological order would have solved a lot of the problems but i also wonder if it would have um really thrown off a lot of the narrative beats that it was trying to go for yeah because there's a lot of like you know with purposefully withheld information from the past that you get like after like you know there will be like one chapter ends and then the chapter after that gives you like information that was yeah. purposefully withheld from something going on in that previous chapter. Yeah, which I I think we should get into this a bit more later, uh, particularly with specific story examples. But yeah. I think that is a terrible, terrible practice for a game in which you are making choices as a character 
Because so often I would go and be like, okay, so I'm going to behave like this, this, and this. And then I would get to see a scene that happened before that. And I'm like, why? Like, but so now but I But given have... that information, I wouldn't have acted like this. Exactly. This, yeah. Like this makes Jody as a character make no sense because mm-hmm. I'm here doing these things. But now I go and I find out that just before that, this happened or that this character is like this kind of a person or anything like that. I'm like, it, but so Jody as a character makes no sense. And I'm like, okay, so now do I do what I think is right? like that Jody would do in the moment or do I behave in such a way that like tries to justify the way that I played her in the past future where right. it was like, okay, so I know that in the future, Jody's going to be in this other situation and she's going to behave in this way. So do I need to justify that now? Or does she like just have this bizarre, like change of heart in the future where she forgets that these events happened or what? I, oh, that was so frustrating. It It's, I'm totally for it in any kind of narrative where someone else is telling me a story. But That's when the thing. I'm like this story, story that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, like telling. I think if it wasn't so focused on choice, right? If you were playing a a less narrative focused game, like if this was an an action game, right, and the story was told in this order, or even if it was narrative focused it just wasn't choice centric yeah it wasn't like super you weren't making these big decisions right about yeah. how you about how your character is going to act within the narrative right if if it was just an action game where you're going through the action game motions and yeah. then cutscenes happen and your character makes choices yeah like and you're getting the story in this order it wouldn't be nearly as bad as that and i i felt i definitely felt that way less in the game i think i was almost just lucky enough in a sense to, to make choices that didn't seem too dissonant. Mm. Um, I felt that way all the time. I don't think there was a ever right up until it, as soon as it started bouncing around, I feel like I immediately started to feel that way. And on top of that, this weird mix of once I, once I understood that pretty well about the way the game was going to be structured, I, even if it was a situation where I didn't feel like I was trying to build towards a, like a future that I had already set in stone. I just kept thinking like, what does Jody, the character know about this situation that James, the player doesn't like, how am I supposed to be playing? I like, is he like a friendly ghost or is he like evil? Is he just jealous? Like, is he like, what's going on here? And at the end of the day, I just felt like, I don't know. Stuff was inconsistent as and sometimes because of me but sometimes because just the game was like no and in this scene she behaves totally differently uh than anything that what came before this would suggest to make like the in-game order work yeah but but yeah i don't know uh i also want to say the game definitely seemed to have a a right path in mind for you and i I don't think any of us agreed with it because it involved a certain romantic partner. Yeah. That we all hated. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's like I, that we need to get into this after the spoiler break, but yeah. I have, we all, I'm sure we all have thoughts. Oh yeah. I, I think that, I think that the, the good way to cap that off now is for a game that is ostensibly all about you making choices and like defining your own destiny, etc. cetera. Uh, it takes every opportunity to throw like the path it wants you to take at you in that in that specific romantic s- situation, but also yeah. in like a million other ways, and it makes it really hard for you to actually build a build your own cohesive narrative because it's just like, oh, guess what? That thing that you did—that's Jody's least favorite thing ever. Bah! It's like it's even with dumb simple stuff. It I don't know. It it is confusing to me why like why those two things were 
selected to go together. It, That's, that is really bizarre that the game A had a distinct story it really wanted players to take. Or, B... Or at least it feels like that. It 100% feels like that. B, it made the primary game mechanic this, like, ch- choosing what Jody would do. And C... All of that really, really is hurt by the narrative structure that they decided to tell the game in. Yeah. Not good. It is. It At <laughs> least to my mind, even on, like, it doesn't even pass, like, the, well, on paper, I see how this made sense test. It's like, no, like, it, these three things seem just fundamentally to not agree with one another. But I don't know. That was just me. Well, apparently not just me, but I. Yeah. I I mean, it impacted you. Like, we, it's, Corinne and I agree with with everything you're saying i think it just impacted you way more than it impacted either of us i would say a you're usually more sensitive to those sorts of things and b we were kind of having a lot of fun like just sort of playing the game together and like ripping yeah. on it a lot we were also definitely like goofing around and yeah makes sense yeah the yeah. oh god okay for for the spoiler break <laughs> which we should probably just take now yeah, at least i don't know pretty soon. cleo do you have uh anything to add um I mean, I definitely agree with, like, I like the idea, a lot of non-linear narrative in games, especially, but, like, I didn't know how to feel about certain, you know, especially, like, earlier chapters when you really have, like, very little information about Jody's history and, like, other, specifically other characters' histories and her relationships with them, and so it's hard to kind of become emotionally attached to characters and, you know, certain entire areas of her life when we don't have enough information. It's not even that we need the full picture. It's that we just needed to know a little bit more. And I don't know whether like reshuffling the chapters would help or I, I don't know, but yeah, and it's like, it's hard. I didn't feel super attached to a lot of the choices I was making simply because I felt like, well, obviously I don't know. So like, I can't get that emotionally invested in it. Um, I don't have a history built that allows me to become emotionally invested yet. And I found that it was really late on when I started feeling at all like emotionally invested. It did help, though, that I really like Ellen Page and Willem Dafoe. Yeah, I, that honestly could be a large part of why I like the game that much. Yeah, I thought they were both strong. I mean, they're, there's just a... It, I, I imagine it's got to be really hard to have a like that in a game like this right just it just by sheer acting requirements right it's a lot of time that they are on screen yeah and it's not even just like voice acting it's full mocap it's like facial reconstruction it's that i imagine this was probably a pretty strenuous project yeah strong performances from pretty much everybody involved so you know there is that some awkward animation. I mean, it, sure. it's it's old and it feels that way. And it's the whole thing where just like, you know, it, it, if they were to remake this game again today, I mean, it would look gorgeous. Yeah. And then in five years, we would say, oh my God, it looked like crap. Right. So like all of that, it put it in the context. It looked really good for them. It still holds up. It still looks solid. Yeah. But it's like particularly Ellen Page and Willem Dafoe are just actors that I like a lot. Yeah. Yes. And so I think that that had a large that had a large amount to do with my enjoyment of the game. But sorry, I think I cut you off, Cleo. Oh no. Um, I mean, I guess another little thing is I've been missing Life is Strange a lot recently, and there were certain things about this game that kind of reminded me um, 
of of that. I, I it might cannot just be like agree the Frenchness. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I actually wanted to bring that up. I before before we got into the spoiler break, there were there were other like specific things that frustrated me, but I definitely wanted to talk about two of the things that I really liked because I didn't want it, the whole beginning to be me like just being upset. Two things that I really like. I love that uh, David Cage and his team make this kind of game because I think that there's not a lot of people who push. Uh, game design in this specific way i don't think they've had like a real winner yet even heavy yeah, like i, I wish they were better but, but i love that they keep working on it and i love that they keep getting funded for it and all of that is great number two i think this very clearly inspired life is strange in so many ways and so even if i didn't like this game i'm so thankful to it for i think laying a lot of the groundwork for something like life is strange to come along later yeah i'm so glad you brought that up cleo i'm also doubly glad that i'm not the only one who's playing this and just being like Yes, this is just like a worse proto version of Life is Strange. <laughs> but yeah, no, I thank you for saying that because I, I completely forgot that I wanted to make sure that got in before the spoiler break because I didn't want someone who's only listening to the pre-spoiler break to, to not hear those things. Okay, so... Uh, I guess with that under the table. Well, final question or the final thing that I don't know, I like to wrap the pre-spoiler break with. What sort of person would you recommend this game to or would you recommend it at all? I think this is probably, I mean, kind of to to what James said about, but like his first good point about this game of like appreciating what David Cage is doing. I think for for anybody who who is interested in narrative games or or how stories can be told in games, I think there is value to playing Quantic Dreams games. Like you may come out of you may come out the other side of it having not ex, like not enjoyed the process that much, but I think there's something to get out of it, um, in that sense. I will say if you like playing like pretty much pure narrative games with friends, this is this is a reasonable option. I think I think you're gonna have more fun with it playing with somebody than you will by yourself, um, and. Like I said before, like it's it's not like bad enough that you're gonna come away you know you're gonna come come away from it and be like oh man I wish I hadn't done that you're probably gonna come away and say that was pretty fun could have been better but you know I'm glad that this sort of game exists. Yeah, I I think I would have a hard time recommending it to anyone. I I think that there's there's an academic interest in it. You know, just it for having seen again like what you said, Justin. It. There's something interesting to it that it exists. Um, this kind of very narrative choice focus. I think that there's absolutely an argument to be made that you should play it if you want to make a game like this and you are considering a nonlinear uh, choice-based game. Uh, so you can see that, no, it doesn't work out. We've tried it. It doesn't work. Um, things like that. I. The other difficult thing is it's like you know, fans of the genre, right? Like if you like David Cage games, you're probably going to get more out of this. You're... Yeah, like if you played and liked Heavy Rain and haven't played Beyond yet, you'll you'll probably dig it. Yeah. To I... be honest, I disliked Heavy Rain probably about as much as you dislike Beyond, mm-hmm. but but liked Beyond a little more. Um, but still, if you liked yeah. Heavy Rain, I'm sure that you will like Beyond. Yeah, I think Beyond's the inferior game. Uh, honestly, um, at least at least for me, I think the nonlinearity really hurts it. Um, but yeah, I you'd probably at least get a kick out of it. But at the same time, though. If you are if you know that you are a fan of Quantic Dream, then you don't need me to recommend this to you. You already yeah. knew about it. Like that's the really hard thing is I I can't think of a lot of people where I would put this on their radar. So I guess that would be that'd be kind of my answer. Um, I would say that if you're someone like me who's played through 
the vast majority of like narrative heavy games that are out there but you haven't kind of gotten to this like outer circle of maybe less loved games that this is worth playing if you're just kind of like feeling like you need a narrative fix because it definitely you know meets some of those requirements or you know if you're looking for a game that at least tries to be very choice focused <laughs> then i think it's worth trying out all right uh so with that on to the spoiler break yeah. um if you've been listening along you already know that our next topic is going to be syncopated worlds we're going to be reading folding beijing we are going to be watching Elysium, and we are going to be playing Bioshock Infinite. Uh, that will all be starting up after our next episode, which is going to be the topic for this Girls with Gifts Gathered by the Government series. Um, and after that, who knows? We'll work that out. Um, but now, uh, spoiler break. Brought to you by Cleo. Beyond Two Souls has a non-linear narrative that is presented in chapters, but for clarity's sake, the summary is going to mostly be told in chronological order. In Beyond Two Souls, you play as Jodie Holmes, aka Ellen Page, who has a psychic bond with an invisible entity she calls Aiden, whom you can also take control of. Jodie and Aiden have been linked since birth, and though they have a strong connection, their relationship is somewhat contentious and causes them frustration due to them being forever chained together. The game starts fairly far down the timeline with Jody as a young woman in a small police station, refusing to answer a polite officer's questions about who she is and where she came from. Soon after, a SWAT team shows up and surrounds her. By the time Dr. Nathan Dawkins, played by Willem Dafoe, arrives, Jody and Aiden have taken out the SWAT team and destroyed the police station, save for the kind officer who was unharmed. We then move back to when Jody was a young child living in a research facility under the care of Nathan Dawkins. Using Aiden's help, she completes an experiment to test her abilities, but then loses control, sending everyone into a panic. In the other chapters in which we play Jody as a kid, we see how she first ends up in the hands of the United States Department of Paranormal Activity. A playful snowball fight escalates until one kid is dangerously rough with her, and Aiden nearly suffocates him to protect her. Jody's foster father calls her a monster, and while her foster mother is more loving, they are both overwhelmed by Jody's abilities and don't know what to do when she is attacked by shadowy entities. Jody's parents take her to Nathan Dawkins to be interviewed. She draws him a picture of Aiden that shows how they are connected by a psychic cord, and she explains that neither of them want to be stuck together, but they can't do anything about it. Her foster parents abandon her to the care of Nathan and Dr. Cole Freeman, who effectively become her new parents as they study her powers. Nathan and Cole are also working on building a condenser that can create a passage into the infraworld, which is essentially the world of the dead. After Nathan's wife and daughter are killed by a drunk driver, Jody is able to channel their spirit so they can briefly talk with him, but Nathan is left wanting further contact. In the chapters where Jody is a teenager, we see her struggling to cope with being different from everyone else her age and being viciously bullied for it, and we also see her go through a rebellious period. While she is still young, she is called upon to solve a crisis situation when the condenser breaks and a facility is flooded by dangerous entities that kill most of the staff. Jody and Aiden are able to shut down the condenser, and she tells Nathan they can never let this happen again. After this incident, the CIA forces Nathan and Cole to give Jody up to them for training, and they send Agent Ryan Clayton to take her away. Jody grows into adulthood while in the CIA, and is sent on missions where her connection to Aiden is particularly useful. During her time in the agency, she grows closer to Ryan and starts to fall for him, but when she discovers that a target she killed was not a warlord as Ryan told her, but actually a democratically elected president, she jumps out of a helicopter to escape him and the CIA. 
While on the run, Jody is taken in by a group of homeless people and helps one of them to give birth shortly before having to save them all from a fire. Later, she is taken in by a Native American family who own a horse breeding ranch. The family is tormented by a powerful entity who was summoned there by their ancestors, and Jody helps them to banish it. She also potentially has a romantic connection with Jay, the eldest son of the ranch's owner. Eventually, Jody reconnects with Cole, who helps her to locate her biological mother who is in a psychiatric hospital, but when they find her, she is catatonic after years of being drugged. The CIA grabs Jody from the hospital and gives her back to Nathan, who has become the executive director of the DPA and is working on another condenser by the name of Black Sun. He tells her that the CIA will let her go if she does one last thing for them. She must destroy a foreign condenser before it's used to attack the United States. After completing this mission, the CIA decides she is too dangerous and she is put into a drug state just like her mother was. Nathan, who in his grief has made a smaller condenser in a failed attempt to contact his family again, tells Jody that he is going to shut down the containment field for Black Sun so that this world and the infra-world will merge. Aiden reaches out to Ryan and Cole and brings them to Jody, and they then follow Nathan into the Black Sun in hopes of destroying it. When Jody meets with Nathan again, he ends up committing suicide in order to be with his wife and daughter. Jody shuts down the condenser and has a vision that reveals Aiden is actually her twin brother who was stillborn. She can make the choice to return to her world and continue living, or go into the infra-world. There are many different endings that can play out based on Jody's various choices, including whom she wants to spend her life with, but no matter what, the final scene is always the same. Jody looking out over an apocalyptic world that has been infected by the infra-world. Alright, and we're back. Spoiler time. Uh, they don't have anything in particular they want to jump right into. All right, do we do we jump right into how much Corinne hates Ryan? Cleo's got something. I have a question that I would like you all to answer for me. It might Uh-oh. be kind of difficult, but pop quiz. <laughs> do do you guys have a favorite chapter? Probably mm. yes. Not the mission. I did not like that one. Which one? The one the, called the no, mission. No, the mission. Oh. That's yeah. the uh, the. It's the one where you have to like sneak through. It, it's the one where it's you the, like the bad sneaking one. Yeah, it's where you have to go through and kill the democratically elected president. Right. Ah, which yes. they then say like five times in that cutscene, like way more times than I've heard anyone ever say democratically elected president. <laughs> I don't know. Given recent events, I feel like that phrase has come up a bit more often. Maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, that the mission is definitely one of the one that stands out as probably the weakest. I really did not to like me because that, that it's it's when narrative focused choice-based games that are not strong mechanically try to inject like typical action mechanics into their game it never ever ever goes well but they always try to do it another one of those moments that i think life is strange kind of awkwardly pulled from where in that fifth chapter they're like all right so we're gonna put a stealth sequence here I mean, which was worked better than this, but yeah, yeah. it was small and, and and it was brief and it, it worked because it was that those things. Yeah, and it also, I mean, you also got insight into other characters. That we yeah. listened to the Life is Strange episode, yeah. um, but but this listen to both Life is Strange episodes. That's true, but yeah, because that's how much we had to talk about that game. <laughs> that was a good game. Um, well, look but, at how much better we've gotten. We did all of Stranger Things in one. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, this was one like of uh, it might be the longest chapter in the game. And it's also the weakest look to play. Yeah. But Navajo anyway. might be longer. Yeah. Um, but doesn't feel as long because Navajo's way better. Navajo was like, God, Navajo might be my favorite chapter. I, that's what I was going to say. Might it's between well. Navajo and Homeless because it... Navajo as well for you, Cleo? Yeah. Yeah. I do have some problems with it a little bit just 
and we can talk about if we want to talk about that chapter in general. Um, but I think um, out of all the chapters in the game, it's probably my favorite. It might be because it stands alone so well. Um, it is, but it also is a little bit weird because it stands alone so well when the other chapters kind of don't. Um, because it's just, it's its own kind of vignette in the middle. And it's like, you know, timeline wise, it's kind of weird because you're like, when exactly is this? I don't know where this fits in with everything else. Um, it's really like its own story it's like a weird break from the rest of the game and it does fall pretty much i think in the middle of the game and i enjoy the environment it's very pretty um i enjoy the characters in that little storyline um i do in general have an issue with any kind of story where it's like oh these like you know indigenous or these like you know these people these minority whatever minority group you have are having a problem and it has to do with, and it happens a lot with Native American stories, right? Where it's like, oh, there's some kind of issue and we need like a white person to come in and fix it for us. Yeah, I was going to say. I'm not a fan uh, of that. Yeah, it's just a white savior story. Yeah, exactly. When you when you first brought it up, I was going to be like, does your issue with it rhyme with blight behavior? <laughs> that was the best word I could get close enough to savior. Is there, if there's a better one, please <laughs> let me know. I don't know if there are many words that end in avior, so... Yeah. You're you're probably okay. Ooh, blight there. Xavier. Uh? Uh? Yeah. No? All right. Anyway, yeah, I I agree that I I would tend to agree that um Navajo probably does I think the fact that it stands so well on its own is what makes it good because as we've said, the fact that the game sort of relies on information that has been hidden from you so much of the time makes the disjointed parts that r- depend on one another weaker and for all those reasons navajo which sort of just depends on itself and your the understanding of of jody that you already have and that sort of makes it work yeah i would agree with that um i i also think that just in general uh it at least to me it feels like uh i think that it also being disjointed i think Bizarrely enough, also makes it uh, one of the stronger character moments for Jody in the the story as a whole. Um, I I think that you actually get to see like a certain amount of growth there within one chapter, as opposed to uh, kind of sort of implying it between other chapters. It feels like growth that you played a part in. It it feels like also the chapter that they do the best job of almost sort of like tricking you into thinking that your choices made the, this growth happen like that you were involved in it even though there is like one sort of path that you're going to go on through it no matter what um yeah i don't know i there were there were a lot of things that i liked about it just even even the way that it blended a bunch of the other mechanics that you had seen in the rest of the game so far towards like one coherent story it and also i tend to just like a lot of sections and games where like you don't i i mean admittedly that horse feels an awful lot like a motorcycle um but like you've got like this whole like pretty like open world chapter just kind of in the middle of this otherwise very linear game it's just such a neat moment in in that experience and i don't know i i liked it a lot in fact the amount that i liked that sort of like she stumbles into a situation where her powers can help people and then she's doing this on her own terms and not because someone else is telling her to um, really had a big influence on why I picked the ending that I did, which was just the, the alone ending. 
And like, I didn't even expect that to turn into she becomes a Ghostbuster. Um, lo and behold, you know, spoilers for the alone ending. She just wanders America busting ghosts, um, which is pretty sweet. But, yeah, I'm pretty on board for this. Um, but so that was the thing that I really liked, just kind of the situation where she it's one of the few times in the game where she really gets to act on her own terms and make her own decisions. Um, and where she, I feel like she gets to use her powers to help people because she wants to. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of things that just kind of come together really nicely in that chapter. Navajo is probably Navajo. If you could, you know, sit somebody down in front of your TV with chapter select and just tell them to play Navajo. Like it, it demonstrates where like the potential that quantic dream has, right? Like that thing that you want a quantic dream game to be in its entirety. Mm. Yeah. I, I think to, to break from the apparent unanimous agreement, I like Namaho is definitely my favorite chapter. I, I think homeless is a chapter that's, that's really worth pointing to um, because I think it's the best example of, of quantic dream sort of, pulling off a like a chapter that is so very connected to the rest of the story like i i think they i just like what they did with that one they very sort of effectively conveyed jody's despair um and sort of unexpectedly put her with this this group of people that she wouldn't that like she was able to sort of connect with in a way that she hadn't her entire life right and sequentially, I th- think that one is that one before or after Navajo. Uh, gameplay order or narrative order? Narrative order. I believe that it is before, but let me um, let me look that up. Because the the strength of it story wise is sort of hinged on that. Because it's like Jody comes out of this despair and she finds people that she can she can really connect with that she has never had before. And this sort of leads into almost like almost leads into Navajo gameplay wise. It falls before Navajo and uh, narrative wise. It is immediately before, before Navajo. Right. So it's right after she escapes the, the hospital, she goes on the road and ends up. Yes. Uh, Gameplay wise. We go from the mission into hunted into homeless into Navajo into old friends. So yeah, that for me, like the events of Homeless narratively allow Jody to act the way that she does in Navajo. And I I just think that they did a, a good job of, of that, which plays into the ending that we chose, which was Zoe. Makes sense. I want to say I kind of enjoyed the Hunted chapter because you get to really fuck shit up as Aiden at the end. And I was playing Aiden. Yeah. And that was great. <laughs> That was real cool. Killed a lot of people. Good well, times. <laughs> entities. They were already dead. What? No, and hunted. You did, you no, that's when you're fighting people. against the oh, government. Oh, yeah, you're that's like, right. You're like busting up all the all the cars and making guards jump to their deaths. Yeah, no, I was thinking of, for some reason, I was thinking that was the one where you destroy the condenser. Yeah, you know, it's the one right after the mission in which she kills a bunch of people and is so physically repulsed by the act of killing that she throws up on their bodies and just is disgusted with herself and it is enough to make her feel just destroyed and then when she finds out she was lied to she jumps out of a plane and then after that she kills a bunch of people because you didn't have the context of that previous chapter 
Jody then kills a bunch of people that is totally inconsistent with what's going on in the narrative story. From a gameplay perspective, doesn't make though. sense. <laughs> I really enjoyed fucking all that shit up as Aiden. <laughs> but which is the problem, right? Because it is so much fun to fuck that shit up with Aiden, and it like tells you to in a bunch of situations. So it's encouraging you to build a narrative that makes no sense at all. Yep. I mean, I will say, I don't think necessarily that that Jody. I don't think she is generally as repulsed by the act of killing as that final cutscene makes it seem. Like she, this is the first time she has to really see, to see a bunch of death from what we can tell. And also it's a bunch of very violent death. Whereas throughout the game, like even before this, this moment, I mean, I guess narratively I have to think about it, but like even leading up to that, that particular moment, Aiden kills a whole bunch of people. He can you yes you can he did for us he didn't for and me. it's the e- it's by far the easiest way to do it and by far like it's definitely what the game wants you to do i think a, a lot of the time yeah which is very frustrating in a game about choice um but that's like it's like it's the worst designed part of it but it's a, yeah it's like a stealth game where they encourage you to like yeah the easiest thing to do is to kill the people so that they can't see you yeah and i was trying not to as i went through because up until then i'd by and large been trying to play Aiden as like kind of friendly and i was like okay so can i just like stealth through this as much as i can and yeah you have to kill there's a bunch of people you can't not kill right like when it turns into firefights and stuff but of course yeah yeah but yeah and then she kills a bunch of people in cold blood she can't handle it and then she goes and does it again but it's fine later anyway you were gonna say something Cleo. i was back having to do with the navajo chapter but it also kind of feeds into a lot of the other parts of the game but one of the things that i was actually pleasantly surprised about was how creepy and scary the game can be at times which i wasn't expecting like i was genuinely creeped out at times yeah i by... want to talk about this too <laughs> like the shadowy monster stuff and the... okay so one other thing was that before i decided i wasn't sure because i had heard kind of mixed things about the game whether i actually wanted to play it or just do a let's play and so what i ended up doing was watching part of a let's play to determine whether i wanted to play it played like i think about half of it i want to say maybe and then, then I had to go back to doing Let's Plays. But the I didn't realize at first that the that the, the Let's Play I was watching was in chronological order. So I started off with, like, baby little, like, little baby Jody, um with her foster parents. And, like, the first thing is, like, this creepy monster, like, coming after her. And then she's, like, looking at a mirror at one point, and it jumps out from behind her, and I was like, what the fuck is this game? Like, I have no... Con- it, there was, like, really no context for anything, so I was really confused, but also pretty kind of... I don't know, I was surprised by how creepy it was. And then in Navajo, for instance, the, um... What, what was the monster's name? Like, Yitsu or something? And... Yeah, um, I, think that's, I think that's right. And that was, like, they did a really good job of building up the suspense, because you have, like, you know, the house being rattled at night and they're just really mysterious about it like you can't come out of your room no matter what and it's really like the tone shifts in such a dramatic way that really works and i was genuinely freaked out like what the fuck is going on i don't know and then when you when there's a big reveal and you see like this giant dust storm monster he looks legitimately scary and he's huge and i I think that was one of the things that i really tied that chapter together for me is that you know that entity really did feel malevolent and substantial um, and was a good kind of, I guess, like, 
mini boss in the span of the entire game. Although I wouldn't really say anything in this game is like a boss or mini boss. Yeah, I agree. I think that Navajo did a really good job of balancing like the the creepy with and just like the rest of the rest of the stuff. I I thought that that did that did do that was really good. I want to talk about the creepy as well. We talked about this a little bit, Grant. Yeah. When I went through. I think just the the way that I ended up playing it. Like I one day I got all the way up to um that chapter that you were talking about, Cleo. Uh, where it's like the the snow day, like the like the snowball fight or whatever, um, and yeah, there's like the entity that like scares you in the mirror, and they're like scary in your bedroom, and then they're scary in the garage. I did that one, and the next one, and the next one is the one where um, you go and you have to like shut down the condenser like the first time, and so I just played through those two in one night, and I was like, what the fuck? No one told me this game was gonna be just like full of jump scares. We all know <laughs> that James does not do great with the games with the jump scares. Why do we keep picking this shit? <laughs> I, to be fair, I legitimately forgot because like (laughs) they weren't like the level of scary that stands out to me as being scary at all. Sorry. No, no, it's fine. (laughs) No. And it's frankly, it's another thing that I think is just sort of an unfortunate um, thing about the game where I think that that's I think that's true. It's the level of scary that's going to make someone who doesn't want a scary thing uncomfortable, but not scary enough to actually satisfy someone who wants a kind of scary thing. Um, At least not make it stick out in memory at all yeah exactly which i think is kind of too bad it's sort of an unfortunate middle ground for it to land in um which is fine i don't think that overall the game is intended to be a horror game by any stretch i think it's supposed to have moments of high tension from uh like the malevolent entities which i think end up being kind of important because once you can fight the entities you realize that they're not scary even a little bit yeah um so i think that helps like build a lot of the story stuff and the tension and that's all well and good but i just remember i played those two chapters and i was like nope i'm done this is it for the night (laughs) fuck this shit this is the point where it just turns into like jump scares the game i'm done it was something worth pointing to my ambivalence of the game uh is the fact that i just did not remember this game like, like the, the narrative beats? Yeah, like at all. Like we were talking about stuff and Kern would be like, oh yeah, this thing or that thing or when this happens or that part later. And I was just like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, I was. I would be like, oh yeah, I think the objective is like up here and to the left or like, oh yeah, I think you need to do this thing to to advance it or whatever. And Justin would be like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there aren't like a lot of like memorable puzzles or anything yeah. like that. But that's what like I... It, like I, I didn't overly like or dislike the game either time that I played through it, uh-huh. and I think that made it pretty forgettable. Is kind of what it came down to because I, I did forget a lot of it, and I do think I'll remember it better now, partially because I played it with a more analytical eye. Yeah, and we're sitting down um, having this conversation, and right? And partially because I played it with someone. Yeah, which and, I think, and you know, we all also go back and we re-listen to every episode of the podcast every week, so you right. know, it'll just kind of build up in your memory as you know as with all the other ones mm-hmm. every episode every week you don't yeah. do that god no i listen to so many other podcasts i don't have time <laughs> for that i'm sorry guys i think uh i think i'm gonna have to leave the show <laughs> it's it's why we can only do so many or else we just run out of hours in the week <laughs> yeah we're, we're gonna have to like we're, we're gonna have to end math, pretty soon. i think <laughs> I, I mean i didn't do any like real math it's just a guess but i i feel like we're gonna run out of hours in the week soon we've got some long episodes <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, I, I think that's that's fair. I, I would say forgettable is probably a pretty fair word to use for 
a lot of those. So I think it's time to talk about Ryan. Ugh. Ryan was a very confusing character for me, mainly because in one scene, I genuinely thought he must be a new person because there's no way Jody is reacting this way to that other guy from before because he was terrible. So it must be someone new, right? And he looks so generic that I'm just like, okay, this is probably just like a different guy. I And I rolled with it. And then eventually I hit the point. I was like, no, it's the same dude. And I was like, wait, what the fuck? It was in the party. I was very confused during the party because I thought this must be a new person. Does not help that like all terrible people, two first names. Um. Oh, so the the like the Middle Eastern like Sultan's party or whatever. No, no, that that's like the the first thing in the game. The thing that I was confused about was when you get to or like the the date or the party, whatever the mission is where he comes over. Okay, the date. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, I, I was confused. It's only the two of them. I also the party. I didn't realize it was him. <laughs> I thought he was a new character. No, no, no. That I, I just mean like referring to it as a party is confusing. There I think is that's a, the name of the chapter. No, it's called the date. There is a party, oh. and that's where she's like young, and some douchebag Australian guy like. Oh yeah, there's like, also that. There's the, the birthday party. Yeah, yeah. The dinner. It's called the dinner. There oh, it is. Okay. That's what it is. Um. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. During the dinner. That's yeah. Because talking about Ryan and the party, I can only think of that one mission. Oh, that's that the, they go yeah. on, and they like don't. She's like pretty much like you're just the cia guy i'm working with and i don't want to deal with you also that one that one is the one that's called the party i was wrong i was <laughs> i didn't i wasn't even sure if there was one called the party so no, you're okay right. so was, everybody was super wrong about a lot of things and we're all just gonna move on now <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so during the dinner i genuinely thought that this must be some new other character in part because people have been calling him ryan and clayton because his name is goddamn ryan clayton which is a terrible name but that's not his fault. That's his parents. But <laughs> what were they going to name him? Like they give him a like, last name for a yeah, first name. Yeah, like like McDougal. <laughs> McDougal yeah. Clayton. Yeah. <laughs> As is the the right and proper thing to do when you're stuck with a first name for a last name. My last name is even pretty much a first name, and I will stick to that. It is. It is. You know the the S at the end really really fixes it. Yeah. But anyway. So point being. I was very confused. I thought this must be someone else because the game is telling me hardcore, like explicitly, they needed to have a, a talk at the beginning between Jody and Aiden for her to say, I really like this guy and I think this is going well and I really want... I was like, yeah, you need to explain that to me because I have no reason to think that from anything else in the game. This is the guy who was like shitty to you during training, who was shitty to you when you were on a mission together, who tore you away from your family... And now you've got some kind of Stockholm syndrome, I guess. I don't oh, know. no, no, no. He wasn't shitty to her during training. When she was training, he looked at her with and was mildly impressed a couple times. That's yeah, he the was, foundation. He for was a the, you know, he was the approving mentor because that's like he essentially he ripped her away from Nathan and Cole and then stuck her with the CIA and did not and age a day. He became the replacement yeah. Nathan figure. Yeah. Also, which doesn't make any sense. Also, how much older than Jody is Ryan? Because not. Jody was like was younger than eighteen when she was taken away. Because she, they explicitly were like, "Yeah, we can do this because your parents sold you to us." Basically, she's like, "Yeah, I think she's like fifteen or sixteen when it happens." Yeah, he's so, but he if he's a a relatively small fry agent, like he could realistically be a, maybe about ten years older, which is not excessive. Not excessive, but like kind of, kind of. I don't know. It just, it, it all puts me off. I mean, I know, I know couples who like have that sort of thing going on and they've been like, yeah, we fought through a lot of like, you know, negative attitudes, but like 
the, the people I specifically have in mind have a super great relationship and super duper love each other. And there's a huge age gap and everyone was like, ah, she's too young. But I don't know. I don't know. I feel like... I mean, there's this... there's definitely a stigma. This plays into the stigma. Yeah. But did he kidnap her from her, like, third set of parents? Because if no, I feel like that goes a long way towards <laughs> making that better than this one. Yes, you there would, was yeah. no kidnapping involved, so... And, I mean, I, I do think, I guess there is probably just, like, a weird amount of Stockholminess maybe playing into this just the idea that i mean he become he seems to become her partner or at least the person that she works the most closely with right yeah which means he essentially becomes the only person that she interacts with given who she is and and like her position in the cia from all we can tell and so i can sort of understand something like that developing yeah, um i guess it's I... it's it's either basically like i mean humans are capable of any number of ridiculous amounts of emotion but it's like I, I, I look at it like from a narrative aspect, it's like she either completely hates him and that's the that's the characterizing factor of the relationship or she, you know, she gets so used to his presence that he becomes a comfort. And like those are the only two ways that a narrative is going to choose to go to be interesting. I feel like it's like the episode of The Simpsons, though, when Sideshow Bob realizes he can't kill Bart because he's like grown accustomed to his face and then he sings a song. Like, it's great in The Simpsons, less good here. <laughs> um, so Ryan Ryan's offends me on many levels. One, like, on a narrative level, I just think he's he's so basic and annoying, and just, like, his face bothers me. And I know, and that makes me feel bad because that his face is based off a real actor's face. And sorry, dude, but, like, I, I don't like your face. Um, he's a big fan of the podcast, and... you know? <laughs> Uh-oh. Um, and it's just... He he's not interesting enough as a character for me to like feel justified in Jody being at all attracted to him. Like he's so fucking basic and van- like vanilla in a bad way. And he also like on a more personal level. So during that um the chapter that I guess we decided was called the dinner, right? It um you that was about around the point when I went jumped over to a let's play. Um, because were it like I the one that playing through, I would not like follow through on like any of this stuff. I'd just be like, Oh, I guess well we have to have this asshole over for dinner and I'll like just get through this chapter and I will not try to like, you know, hook up with him. But the person playing followed through on like the, try to take it through all the way, but we'd also and the, the, that's this chapter is problematic in several ways. Um I guess the person who had been playing prior to that chapter had also chosen back when we had the chapter where Jody is like a rebellious teenager and she like jumps out to the bar um, and like has Cole possessed and stuff so that she can get out and escape when she's like technically grounded. And she, you know, she gets basically assaulted by these three dudes in the bar. Um, And that chapter, I mean, it was like a really, you know, fucking awful scene to watch. And then, I get. I think what had happened was that, um, that basically played out in the worst way it possibly could. And so what happened in the scene with the dinner was that she tries to take Ryan bed, and then she gets massively triggered and has like a panic attack. And she's like, "Stop! Like, there's some things I can't forget. Like, I can't do this. I'm sorry." And she's obviously just been like really, really triggered by this. She's like tr- trying to keep it together, but she's kind of a mess. 
and Ryan's response is like, I should go. Not like, yeah, do you want me to stay? Do you want me to go? Like, because if Jody was like, could you please go so I can like have a moment for myself? I'd be like, yeah, he should go. But he should also double check to make sure she really like means that he doesn't even ask like if she wants him to go. He's just like, oh, emotions. I'm not like comfortable with this. You just like deal with this on your own. I'm going to like bounce. And that is just like that offends me on a deep, deep level. Like that is so the wrong response. Yeah. He leaves her sobbing curled up on the bed and like they literally don't speak. Like she says, like, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, the whole like, you know, I really I can't do this. I thought I could, but I can't. And she's just sitting there crying after that. And it's like five seconds. And then he's like, I should go and walks out. And it's like, there's, there's just nothing. Yeah. And like, and I, I mean, that Justin and I got to that point also. And I was just like, see, I, I told you, you should have let me interfere. But Justin was like, oh, no, I think I think that, you know, we should let this romance play out because that's what Jody would do. And I was like, no, fuck it. We should stop it because Aiden hates him as much as I do. The other interesting thing about that chapter and with Aiden in particular, it's so we see like a weird dark side of Aiden that we haven't really seen before during that chapter where he's, like, creepily writing, and I don't know if you saw this, like, when she takes a shower, there's the mirror's all fogged up, and he writes, like, you don't need him, you have me. And, like, especially considering the revelation we have later on about, like, what their relationship actually is and, like, why they're tied together, that's, like, really fucking weird. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's the implications I mean, are very it's, strange. I mean, it's worth noting that, that twins psychologically are connected on a, on, like, a, a deeply intense, only mildly understood level. Like actually, like act, twins straight up. Like I, I remember reading about a bunch of the stuff in abnormal psych, like, like cases of, of like, of incest are like statistically higher, like statistically more likely to happen between twins. And that like, even outside of that, like twins, there's just this like unknowable, psychological connection that twins always seem to have like inexplicable, practically supernatural stuff, twins that are separated by continents who, who know things about each other. And like, it's, it's, it's bonkers. How many times have we talked about? I was just (laughs) thinking about that. Jesus Christ. In the last week, we've sort of fallen into no fewer than three conversations. Probably four at this point. At least about, yeah. About four, three conversations, four topics. Yeah. Related to incest. Anyway, you guys have a, an interesting work relationship. <laughs> Listen, we were talking about critical role. Oh. And then Star Wars, and then something else. Uh, spoilers uh, for Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> old boy. We were talking about old, old boy. Old boy. Also old boy. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> and then yeah. we were talking about Kate and Leopold. Yeah. Five topics. Yeah. Five topics. Three conversations. That one was at work. Yep. Anyway. <laughs> With Serene. Uh, anyway. Anyway. Um, yeah. I feel like speaking of the the dark side of Aiden, I feel like that was one of those things that the game kept like trying to like push you into, into like Aiden like question mark kills a child in a snowball fight. Like um, I thought they were they were good about petulant child Aiden. Yeah, but they they tried to push that into like angry murderous Aiden, and it never felt tonally correct. Yeah, well, and part of it for me was again maybe because I never felt like I understood. Uh, what Aiden was supposed to, uh, like what he had been like in the past. So I was like, I can't tell if he, and cause you don't know who he is until later. So you don't have a sense that petulant child Aiden is a child. Like for all you know, he is some like ageless spirit that is just like a murder God. 
Right. And because that's 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 all you've got, right? So I was going through trying to figure out. It's like, okay, so I'm going to try and do my best to play Aiden as like helpful when I can. But then you hit a story point, and it's just like, and then Aiden is just a dick. I'm like, okay, well, that's fine. But that's totally separate from like the way I've like tried to play him as being until now. Mm-hmm. So again, one of those frustrating things. But yeah, this was one of the ones where I was I, I was really having a lot of trouble with the one in the dinner because again, like I. I also pursued the relationship because I was trying to like ha- doing my best to make a consistent character for Jody because that's how I tend to enjoy choice-based games more yeah. is trying to play as a character rather than myself. But, and because she has that speech at the beginning where she's just like, I want this. I'm like, okay. So it would be weird for her to have that whole speech and then be like, nope, I don't want this. I'm like, okay, so fine. Like let's, let's roll with that. But yeah, it was the kind of thing where I was like, this is one of those weird moments of characterization where I kind of wish that Aiden had the capacity to be like, for real? Because I don't think this is healthy. You know, or like something more... And it feels like that's what he's trying to do. But Except like... he writes, you don't need him, you have me. Well, yeah. Like that's, like, that's one of the... And again, it's one of those moments where it's like, so I'm getting... I don't know. It, it felt like there was a lot of that dissonance between... I'm defining a character versus a character is being given to me, um, which was frustrating. I one thing though that I thought was doubly interesting. I um, I didn't get that scene at the bar uh, when she was younger. I left the bar right away because um, I was like, "They're not coming. This is a bad vibe. Um, I'm out." And so I left. So I didn't get to the point where she was assaulted. So in the dinner, uh, yeah, they just like have sex and. But then, like, it, nothing. It's just, like, they get up and she's just like, yep, had sex with him. I'm like, sure. okay. But uh, the closest thing is that in the mission later, which is narratively immediately after this, they, like, kiss. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how that would have played out differently otherwise. But they're definitely. You get the, you get, well, did you get a choice or did they just do it? I think they just did it. Okay, so if it plays out the way. I could be wrong. We did it, you get a it. choice. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. But, but I didn't I didn't pick it fast enough and it defaulted to kiss. Yeah. Which seemed strange to me given the way the previous chapter had played yeah, out. Yeah, that's very odd. Um Yeah. So I know those things were happening, but then like it doesn't like play into later when it turns out he betrays you, and at no point is she just like, What the fuck? Like I thought we were like in something or like we're being honest with each other in some way. Like it's it's that same just I'm upset because you lied to me, not I'm upset because you lied to me and made me do this thing. Also, doubly bad because we have this context of a relationship. It's right. just in that moment, which is frustrating. I hate Ryan so much. Yeah. And then for, he spends the rest of the game just throwing himself at you. <laughs> no matter how many times you turn him down, he's just like, but do you love me now? Yeah. Yeah, like still the fact that when no. you... like. For our, like, we picked the the Zoe ending, right? And there's still a moment to that ending where she's like, "Yeah," and I had to turn Ryan down for a final time and let him know that it really wasn't happening. I was like, "Come on!" Despite the fact that every time he asked previous to that, we were like, "Nope, we don't want to be in a relationship." And yeah, it was I, like, like I looked at it, because... Jody's Jody's characterization, right? It's like she clearly states that she wants this date to go well, and so I put effort into making the date happen, and mm-hmm. and the assault in the bar bar had happened, so they hadn't had sex, and then. They were, you know, cordial with each other in the mission. Mm. They were familiar, but they weren't in a relationship. Then the the stuff with the 
that mission, you know, the end of that chapter happens and it's oh, like, okay, like Ryan is, Ryan is done. Like mm. this is the break moment and a reasonable moment at which Jody is like, I am done with you as a human being. Yeah. She and, jumps out of a helicopter to get away from him. Yeah. And he just throws, and like you get the clear moment, like when they have to work together uh, for what, dragon something or other. Yeah. It, like the dragon space it, yeah. to go to find the, the people in the made up country who have the, uh, the, the other portal, yeah. yeah. Um, and, like, you can be incredibly cold and, and like, just just completely distant. And still, before that mission happens, he's like, but, you know, we could, you know. And then after that mission happens, he's like, but, you know, we could. Yeah. She's and like, we're like, dying on the ice. Stop it. <laughs> that fucking guy. Yeah. I hate him so much. And they, like, that's part of, like, Cleo, to your point, right? You, you describe him as incredibly vanilla in the worst way. And it's like, that's that's a big thing. They give him no depth. He at least, like, he at least could have been an interesting character amidst all of this. Yeah. But we don't even get that. He's just the douchebag who only throws himself at Jody and, like, has no other traits, period. On the other end of the spectrum, I thought that... Uh... Nathan ended up being way more interesting than I thought he was going to be um, until the very end when he goes crazy out of nowhere. Um, I was less into that, but uh, I, this is maybe more for the topic episode, but it seemed like, you know, it, that role of like head scientist guy is, you know, has been pretty consistent throughout a lot of our stuff in, especially in like a kind of a weird father figure sort of way. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of the really, I it was not really the direction I was expecting them to take with him. Um, yeah, I I think like I can understand from a story aspect like how like what happened right like it makes some sense. Yeah, but they were so focused on the twistiness of it that they didn't like sow the seeds of it happening over time. Right, you get the chapter where where his wife and daughter die yeah. unexpectedly, and she channels them. She does this thing for the first time. Yeah, and s- they speak through her to him. And from that moment, clearly he becomes obsessive. Yeah. But like they don't, they don't really show that at all. The thing that was more frustrating to me was that it, it at least looked like they were trying to build a different story of he loses his wife and daughter and buries himself in his work, except his work is an actual young human human being. Yeah. And like, then he really, who has lost her parents twice and then he moves into like really accepting that father figure role for her mm-hmm. and ends up with this loving relationship where like he and Cole are kind of sort of like acting as her two dads. And from there, you just end up with he finds himself genuinely caring about this little girl who is kind of his test subject and being especially hurt when like she gets pulled away and wanting to remain in contact. And then he gets these like sporadic phone calls. And every time she calls, he's like, oh, my God, oh my, where are you? Like, I want to help you like it like a you would expect the dad would do. Yeah. Um, but then they go and they throw away that whole interesting thing. And it still can be true on some level, but then they kind of almost poison the whole thing by being like, no, but also it was secretly just cause he wanted to like trap the ghosts of his wife and daughter. And he was just like keeping Jody around cause she could help him communicate with them. And he really just wanted his old family back as opposed to like falling in love with someone new. Yeah. Um, Falling in love, awkward term, but like parental love, like finding yeah. that. Yeah, just familial like Matilda, love. falling finding, in familial love. Yeah, yeah, finding a new family. Yeah, 
um, with like with her and Cole and that kind of difference of, well, yeah, he does bury himself in his work, but it turns out, you know, he's kind of in this situation, lucky enough to have that work involve two other caring human beings who like help him out. I was like, oh, what an interesting story where he's not just like the big crazy bad guy. And then, oh, nope, never mind. Nope, he's actually the big crazy bad guy. I don't know. I felt like that was really disappointing to me, at least like it. And maybe it may be better for the, the topic episode, but just in the context of the number of other things like this we've seen, mm-hmm. it seemed like a really refreshing break from that. And then and then it just wasn't. Yeah, it was. It's a serious like record scratch moment, right? Where like they they give you this other thing and it's like, nope, it was actually this. Yeah. And so you, like you have that internal record scratch in your head, right? Where it's just like when a. To me, like, the record scratch moment is a bad twist. Yeah. Especially because I feel like they totally could have justified just having Jody be like, I have to destroy the rift and the condenser because the military is going to use it for bad things because they, like, tried to put me into a coma. And, like, it, you've already got, like, a fine villain. In, yeah, it's like, just, you know, just the, the bad system. general dude and, and the portal itself, right? They, you don't need, like the person who like like Nathan didn't need to do what he did yeah for the ending to happen the way that it did and be just as like interesting as it was otherwise yeah I also feel like it's kind of just a lazy trope that we see a lot in this kind of story where you know it's like the person falls because of their grief like they just completely lose it and it's 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 done in fantasy stories it's done in sci-fi stories it's done like all across the board where someone just has like this one insane goal it's like they lost someone or like several people and that's all their life is about now and i understand that like there is a place for those stories because you know grief is a powerful force and it's you know worthy of being explored in narratives but it's such a like this trope is so overdone at this point of like and then the grief just overtook him and he became a monster because of it and that was pretty much it like that it's just boring at this point. It's not new. There's nothing like there wasn't even like a fresh twist on it. It was just kind of like, okay, so we did fall into this again. Yeah. Agreed. And imagine how interesting um, that ending scene would have been if maybe instead of Ryan being there, Nathan went with her to, to try to shut it down. And for the first time was reconfronted with the ghosts of his family and like, you know, and, and, you know, I, I don't know, maybe, had had a moment of weakness and was like i i could be with you now or or something and then jody had to be like no nathan like they're they're dead you have to let them go like whatever yeah and you could still like you could even yeah you could still have the sequel like the decision where he ends up shooting himself or not right yeah yeah but can you imagine like just the the heartbreak of that moment for for jody if if it hadn't come from him like going bonkers and causing this himself yeah and then, like, the final decision of live or die, well, Nathan, her, for all intents and purposes, the only father that she's ever really known and connected with, besides Cole, uh, has just gone to the other side. Well, you yeah. know, that might have made that final choice a bit more interesting, I guess. And not even just gone, but actively made the choice, like, not even just like, oh, he just yeah, recently died. Yeah, it's like an died. entity killed him or, or something, right? It's like, no, he, he, he just made the decision that you are now faced with. Yeah. yeah. And there we go. Better story. We just wrote it. <laughs> yeah. But it, that, I feel like that's some of the frustrations. It feels like there are like a, a handful of moments like that where it's like, it seems like there's just an obvious, more interesting choice yeah. that wasn't taken. I don't know. And you, you don't have to lose the game's kind of awkward pro-suicide narrative, you know, <laughs> it, which I did. I, almost, I don't know. It 
I, you can make your game about whatever you want. I just thought that was kind of an interesting route to take throughout the game. There were yeah. entire segments where it was really difficult to interact with anything without Jody attempting to kill herself. <laughs> yeah, like, well, that, that was that was homeless, right? Like that, it was that whole thing where she tries to kill herself. Homeless and the mission. Um, for me, both had like a lot of that because in the mission, right, you're you're in like the at least for me, I was in like the shack at the end, and there's like a gun nearby. I'm like, okay, pick up the gun, like defend yourself. She picks it up and just like puts it in her mouth. I'm like, that's not at all what I was going for. Like, it's not like and because then at the end it was just like did not attempt suicide because I didn't because then there's the option to like, do you really want to kill yourself? I was like, I didn't even kind of want to kill myself. Like, there was a, I don't know. This is just an issue that I had with the controls and like the interaction yeah. in general. Oh, it's a lot controls. of like. Here's like a little white dot. Interact with that. And then she just like picks it up and just like breaks a vase that didn't actually happen. But it feels <laughs> right. like there's a lot of things like that where it's just like you you gave me no context for that action. And then I did something that was not at all what I wanted to do. It's was like that... the, the doubt option in L.A. Noir. Yeah. Where it's just like <laughs> you expect it to mean like, hmm, I don't know if that's true. And in reality, he grabs the person and lifts them up and like dangles them by the collars. Like, I don't believe you. <laughs> So was that moment at the end of the mission, like after you assassinate the guy? Yeah. So at least for me, I ended up like out in the street and then there were like people everywhere um, just sort of like shouting things. I guess everyone knew that I did this, even though I did it with a ghost and just, you know, word got out. Someone tweeted. Right. But um, and then so they go and everyone (laughs) comes together and converges on like this house that you're stuck in. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to like knock a ladder down and then a helicopter comes and comes and gets you. At least that's what happened to me. Yeah. But, but while I was in the house, there's like a gun like down below you to the right. Um, and I, I didn't realize that I was supposed to like bump the ladder yet or anything. So I was like, oh, a thing I can interact with. That must be what the game wants. And then I take it and she just like gets ready to kill herself. I was like, okay, not at all the action I was expecting to go with. Yeah. I completely missed it. Yeah. We didn't. Which is fine, but I mean, but then like, and again, like at the very end, the big choice at the end of the game is just, do you actually kill yourself this time? Yeah. Like, do you, yes do you go no? to the light, happy yeah, that, right, fields that... of dead or the dark miserableness of life? And I even watched like the, some of the other endings um, enough to realize that they are all basically the same, which yeah. is disappointing. Yeah. But um, I could have gave up 24 endings and put no effort into differentiating them. Yeah. So what endings did you all choose? Oh, I picked, uh live alone um which ended up being fucking sweet because it's just jody like wanders the world and it's just like oh there are entities everywhere and she just it's just her walking through like various cities and places with like dead ghosts just like flashing in and out in windows and like on the street it's like oh like i see them everywhere now like i see all this like they're around us they like live in our homes sleep in our beds and like this whole thing and she's like i guess like wanders around just trying to like help them deal with their shit and then she's just like alone in a motel room somewhere when Aiden gives her the still here. That also bummed me out. When it turns out no matter what you pick, Aiden always comes with the still here. I was like, oh, I thought like alone secretly turned into, oh, and I got Aiden back. Well, he it didn't. Doesn't, he, it doesn't always. It's not every ending. Oh, I, everyone that I um, that I kind of scrubbed through, uh, it it comes up. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so we picked the Zoe ending. Yeah. Um, and so she goes back to you know to her homeless family yeah who are all who've all shacked up together <laughs> yeah and i thought i watched this one doesn't he doesn't do it whatever he, no he, i doesn't come no. back in this ending huh. um and and yeah you uh she chooses to live with them she's like another parent for for zoe who she's very connected to and then we get to the you know the same end the the ultimate same ending that every ending has which this i'm okay with like i'm okay with every ending leading to a common point um 
the common point being future apocalypse yeah yeah the, like okay. obvious I, setup gonna, for a sequel that's never gonna come never gonna fucking happen how can you design an ending like a, a shared ending between all of the various different endings for your game that clearly set up a sequel and then say no we don't make sequels what the fuck is wrong with you oh did they actively say that i thought it was just that the game did i think the game just obviously sold poorly oh no i mean quantic dream like they basically have carte blanche from sony like i, I like would would sony say no we don't want to do a sequel for this you need to do something else maybe um, I can see that. But I, I do honestly think that if Quantic Dream wanted to make a Beyond 2, Sony would be like, okay. Because I don't think this game sold that poorly. Like, the, I, I think Quantic Dream makes seller. Like, they're, they're console exclusives. They're heavily marketed. They're marketed well. I guess. But... I, I'd have to look back at the sales, but I thought Heavy, Heavy Rain and Beyond both did pretty well. Yeah, I guess. I don't, I don't remember exactly. I, the only thing that comes to me is, I didn't think it was very good, and I imagine word got out, and it must have been crazy expensive. To me, this is one of the this is the kind of game that a lot of the community at large pretty like. In this is one of those games that I feel like a typical like, you know, person who only plays a like one job, like you know, a guy who sits down and just like plays shooters to pass the time or whatever gets this game like heavily pushed on him by sony and he's a he's a you know he's a playstation gamer and he just plays on his playstation and sony pushes this game and he plays it and he's like yeah i like that maybe still gets it yeah and and that's like i i see this being that kind of game right where the community at large was like yeah i thought that was pretty okay and everybody else is like no this like this was awful for all of these very clear reasons could be um, yeah i don't know anyway but but yeah this is like um and they they set up a clear sequel, like it it doesn't get any bigger than that. Like, yeah. And David Cage said, and like a lot of people would ask about Beyond too. Like, are you going to make a sequel? You you know you've made this big setup, and he was like, no, you know I don't. We really we don't want to make like the same game over again ever. Like we want to always be doing something different. A lot of studios have their thing, they have their franchises, they do that, and I totally respect that. But like, I I want Quantic Dream to be a developer who makes something new and different every single time we make something that's awesome and i think that's a great idea but just don't end your game like don't end your game with setup to continue the story if you're not going to continue the story i I guess it's meant to be more of just a and then they go off and do that and you just like imagine it in the end but it it seems like like it is but and like i can understand that but it's just yeah like it would have been that without this yeah right and it was it's just fresh because this is the kind of thing like i almost wish sony owned the ip and this is what i said after we beat the game like i wish sony owned the beyond ip because they could just grab an action developer to make beyond two souls 2 and instead of it being what beyond two souls was it would be this different game where you're it's like like definitely more of an action game where you're playing through this apocalypse as like zoe and jody and they could even keep I mean, it couldn't always be Zoe unless they choose to canonize an ending. Right. I feel like that's the really hard thing. Because also, in a bunch of the endings, Jody's just dead. Right. There's, well, there's dead Jody. Here's there's... my thought. Zoe is the protagonist. And if you choose, if you have dead Jody, Jody becomes attached to her somehow. So Jody and becomes the becomes new Iden. the Iden. Yeah. And if you don't have dead Jody, you just have living Jody. Yeah. I, I feel like that would be the hard thing. That's true. Like they would have to, they would have to either canonize a small set of endings or canonize like a single ending, and yeah. I understand not wanting to do that. I totally do. Yeah. Um. But but that's the thing. Like Sony could have another dev make an action game that is Zodi Jody or <laughs> Zodi. This is Jody <laughs> yeah. playing the apocalypse. Yeah. 
and it could be fun and cool. And like, it's, yeah. it's not a real idea. Like it would never work yeah. on a number of levels, but it's just like, oh man, I was so frustrated. Yeah. It's a weird ending for, especially if the, it was understood that they weren't going to follow it up. Exactly. Yeah. It's a weird ending. If you never from, from, you know, moment one, we're going to make a sequel. Like, it's not like they set it up and we're like, yeah, you know, down the road, if we could do this or, you know, if it sells well enough, we can, we can do a sequel. Like it was like, yeah. no, they were never planning to make a sequel, but they still put this ending in. Yeah. I don't even think I want a sequel, but like, even with the ending, it's just a weird ending. I don't know. How about you? Uh, what do I need you to do, Cleo? I wanted to either choose Zoe or Jay, but I was doing a let's play at that point, and the whoever was fucking playing was a basic asshole who chose Ryan, and I was oh. so mad because yeah, I painful. was just I he's so I saw his face pop up again. And I was just like, I can't even watch this. This is awful. But and, and it was it was like, oh my god, they end up going like they they're like, oh, we travel like as far away as we could and they end up like on a sailboat like sailing the Bahamas or some shit and like they are like making out on a beach and then the way that Jody finds out that sees like the still here uh thing was like a coconut rolls up against her leg and she's like oh but Ryan's all the way over there and then it's written in the sand still here and I'm just like this is the gotta be the least interesting ending because he's just so not interesting I can't stand it. I can't stand that that even is an ending. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's another one that I kind of like scrubbed through. And I thought that the coconut, the coconut was my favorite part. So that was just like, all right. <laughs> sure. Canonically, a coconut rolls over and that's how Aiden lets her know. Do we know how? <laughs> you couldn't write it on the sand closer to her or anything like that. Do we know what the J ending looks like? I watched it. Yeah. Um, she, uh, she goes back to their their kind of their their farm uh she rides up on the motorcycle she goes up she embraces jay the music swells um and then it cuts to them just like naked in bed together um i i'm not even kidding um and then she like gets up in the middle of the night and like goes to a mirror for some reason and Aiden writes still here in it and she's very happy it's it there's it's doubly frustrating because that was the other one i was considering I was like, oh, like I could go back and like CJ and that would all be like maybe kind of neat, except for the fact I was like, well, but I feel like what I would actually do is I would visit these people, but not like go back. And that's just like my life now. That didn't seem like what, what yeah. my Jody would do. Um, so I didn't pick it. And then I was kind of glad that I didn't because it also seemed like it was the one that just like got the least attention when uh, like when they were making it out of all the other ones. Because, yeah, there's like a whole thing with like Zoe and the like the family or like even with Ryan, there's like more context to the whole thing with Jay. It's just like she goes and I guess they have a bunch of sex or something, but um, also I mean, what else you can do out there? Choice... Yeah. Right. Uh, also that whole uh, choice th thing brings about my like least favorite voice acted line ever in existence. And it was, it was so obvious. Oh, yeah. God, I hated that so much. And you probably know because you watched a bunch of endings. Just hearing that over and over yeah. again really just... Yeah, it was very frustrating. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't good. Clayton and I will say that to each other occasionally, like, just to piss each other off. <laughs> because we know how angry it makes the two, the two of us. Yeah. I mean, the... Even beyond just like the the voice acting, in it, it was like it, that's just not a 
the writing in the game is not awesome. And I think you can chalk some of that up to the fact that I, I imagine the script was written in French first. I don't know David Cage's process, but and Quantum Dream is a, is a French studio. Um, but there are definitely several bits where it's just like, this is not good writing. Um, the, the fact that a group of scientists would refer to these spirits as entities, as opposed to you know understanding the fact that entity is the most generic ass term you could ever come up with, and this would not be helpful in any sort of like research or discussion. <laughs> um, it, dumb little stuff, but even just like a bunch of like the moment to moment, again, the democratically elected president. It's like, oh, he was their democratically elected president. It doesn't matter that he was their democratically elected. Like, oh my God, stop saying that phrase. <laughs> but I don't know. Which is not, like, the worst thing that could happen, right? Like, plenty of video games have bad dialogue, but... Sure. But it stands out when a game is yeah, all dialogue. It's it's not my biggest gripe, I will say that. Like, if, if that were the biggest problem, I'd be pretty happy. But it certainly doesn't help that it's there. Oh, 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 okay. What did everyone think of the fight sequences? Am I the only one who had, like, major problems with the mechanic of... Uh, push the control, push the stick in the direction of Jody's movement while we slow everything down so you can't tell the direction in which she's moving. Also, different parts of her body are moving different ways at the same time, and you have to figure out which one of those is right, and there's no consistent rule to it. I was really good at it when I played Jody the first time around. Justin I was, apparently I was really was good also, at it in but... the beginning, and then by by the time we got to Navajo, I started to get like my my apparent skill at seeing which direction they wanted me to, to see mm -hmm. degraded just steadily throughout the game. When we got to the very final one, well, then she was like moving through black sun. Yeah. Right. I, I nailed it. Yeah. But up until that point, I had just been getting progressively worse and worse and it was hilarious and awful. Yeah. I, I had kind of a similar road, but it was the kind of thing where I never felt like it was because I was getting worse at it. It was because I just felt like she's moving in two directions. Well, that's at the what same I mean. Time. It just it became harder to perceive. I don't even think it was harder. I think it became impossible to determine which one they wanted you to go with. And unlike everything else in the game, there's only one right answer. It's not like you can dodge or attack here. It's oh no, um, sh her body is moving to the right, her leg is moving to the left, and her hand is swinging like upwards and like forwards and down. Pick one. One of them is correct. The other ones are not. And there, it's not even like, oh, you, it's not even like, oh, we see that you tried to dodge. And like, so this is what happens when you try to dodge because you like just made a call in the moment and this is the result. It's nope. You tried to dodge. And in fact, you instead you did a bad job at punching. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's like, binary choice. You either succeed in what you're trying to do or you fuck. Up. And what you're supposed to do is almost impossible to perceive once you reach the middle of the game. It is, oh, it's such a frustrating mechanic the fact that the little white dots are often very much the same as like the background yeah there's extensive it was just like oh i have to do something fast i have to do something fast i'm like there's nothing i can interact with and then i go and i find it and it's like oh yeah that little speck that looks like the like light reflecting off of a wet surface or a light bulb no that's a dot oh that thing you were trying to interact with that's just a reflection they look yeah. the exact same oh also the, the inconsistency with you know tap to interact with white dot or hold to interact with white dot. Yes. The sheer number of times Jody reached open a door and pulled back. Uh, 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 <laughs> uh, 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 no. Yes. No. Yeah. Or even just like the inconsistency with like what certain buttons do. Like it's not like 
like something like Assassin's Creed where like buttons are pretty vague, but like X is feet things, you know, like, and there's some consistency. No, it's just like, oh, it, the only thing that I think was consistent was like the shake your controller to like struggle, mm-hmm. which I, I mean, I guess that was good because that's one where you have to do that pretty fast, pretty often. But it's just like, oh, you're running in the training thing, hit X to do stuff. You're running some other time, that's triangle. Even though triangle is the closest other consistent thing in that that is like the Iden button, except when sometimes it's write down stuff. And I don't know. It, those have just seemed like okay this is just like arbitrary button presses to like get through a thing yeah it's just typical qte nonsense but they couldn't even remain mildly consistent because there's this idea that if if you always have to tap x repeatedly to run that it's going to be stale it's like no it's going to be stale no matter what i have to run yeah. press repeatedly to run yeah it yeah exactly it's no the, the qte is stale it doesn't matter what button it is the other way i at least like don't go into being like okay it's going to be x it's going to be x nope alternate l1 r1 Okay, it's going to be alternate element. Nope, you have to, like, turn your controller upside down and, like, just hold it away from you, which is never actually a thing. But it feels like it gets progressively ridiculous. I don't yeah. know. It was... Again, if that was my biggest problem with the game, that would be that would be one thing. It does not help that it just piles on. Does anybody have anything else that... Oh, it had the head shaking from Jacob's Ladder. That was pretty sweet. Oh, yeah. yeah we talked about that. Yeah, yeah we did. When that, when that came up, we were like, oh, look at that. We know where that comes from now. <laughs> yeah. Don't we feel smart? And then we just continued playing the game because <laughs> it only happens the one time yeah because the entities apparently don't possess people any other time yeah, yeah that's that's true it's like never ever happens again i think at least not a lot i mean it's rare that the entities are out and about at all yeah they're really like they, they occasionally will like escape but they're they're in a weird flux state like you know, like Jody can, or like Aiden can see them doing stuff around sometimes. Yeah. But that's like when they're trapped between the real world and the infraworld. Yeah. Or whatever it is that Aiden is. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we got through most of my list. There are a few goofy things, like a lot of like just regular video game things where it's like something traumatic will happen and then Jody will go back to her just regular walking animation. Um, which is fine. You know, it's, it's, it's a just video game. forgettable yeah, you video just, you, game stuff. You understand that. That's okay. Yeah. But this feels like one of those games where, like, they kind of sort of, like, get close to solving it a couple times. And you're like, oh, well, that's kind of neat. And then most of the game is like, no, no, you're good. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> which is okay. I, that's a pretty easy one to just laugh about. But, yeah. Yeah. All right. So I, I guess we should wrap up. I guess so. I feel like this was kind of a downer. Like, specifically, because you, you ended up, I mean, you were disappointed. Like, you were hoping still for more than you ended up getting out of it yeah i wasn't expecting a lot but i thought that like it would i thought it would be the kind of thing where like oh yeah there are some kind of like awkward things to this story but it was a neat idea as opposed to just like no this it i i know for a fact that a lot of people who worked on this game are are smart enough to have have realized early enough in the process that this shouldn't that yeah that this was this was gonna have the effect that i feel like it did um I don't know. I, I, I feel like that's what was more disappointing to me at the end of all of it was, I don't know. It's not like it was something that sounds like it could have been really cool and it just didn't really quite work out in practice, at, at least for me. But Okay, well, given that that seems to be it, uh, we still have to talk about how really it fits in with the topic but i feel like we'll get to that in the topic episode yeah Yeah. i'm i'm really looking forward to the topic episode actually these these three things were very similar (laughs) dear lord we we have we have identified a a very stagnant genre (laughs) (laughs) uh which will be neat i like for real though i think it's gonna be a fun conversation 
So stay tuned for that. That's uh, coming up, coming up pretty, pretty soon for us. Two weeks for you. <laughs> Till then, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of Read, Watch, Play. If you want to help us out, the best thing you can do is to tell your friends about the show. You can also rate and review us on iTunes. If you want to find us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at RWP Podcast. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash RWP Podcast. Check out our Tumblr at rwppodcast.tumblr.com. And look out for our game streams on Twitch at twitch.tv slash rewatchplay.